Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO and founder of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. Today I have a new Mass Solutions team member with me, Marcel McCaskill, a video and photography specialist. Marcel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. It's uh, long overdue, I would say, to have me on the show, but uh, thank you. <laughs> long overdue because you've been involved with the show from your first day on the job a couple months ago. You've brought a whole new aspect to the show because you often uh, record when there's a guest, and sometimes you even record when I'm doing a solo shot. You're not recording today because you're you're on the show. Marcel, uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about your background, you, you, where you came from college-wise, and just how you learned. And I know yesterday I learned something new about you with this YouTube uh, presence that you have. Just uh, give the audience a little bit of a background of what got you here to Mass Solutions. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Swissville, not too far from uh, Mass Solutions headquarters. Um, I went to school at Wheeling Jesuit University, now named Wheeling University. Uh, just graduated in May. Um, we've connected through Joe Toomey. Yes, uh, the infamous of- Joe Toomey, <laughs> a friend of mine who's done a lot of work for me. He's a, I'd call him a water guru. He uh, mm-hmm. is now about to have his own water park, but he's helped me with waterfalls and some other things over the years. Yeah, so um, I've done work uh, throughout college with Joe um, during my uh, spring break, uh, summer break and everything. So um, he knew me as uh, the video guy just from word to mouth around uh, the Pittsburgh area. Um, just We connected through Facebook. and um, So, yeah, I've just always been a video guy. Um, I love creating narratives or stories or just um, walking around with a camera. That's what I was known at college is this guy who always had the camera on him. Um, and, you know, that was just because I had my own YouTube channel, which you learned about yesterday. Um, you know, I have over 400 videos on that channel. So talk about that. When you, when did you start that? And so you've amassed 400, and you said you always had the camera on you, meaning carrying it around, or do you mean on you personally as you were the person on camera? I was the person on camera. I would um, have a little mini tripod hold it up and just talk in, into the camera um, people call it vlogging, yes. um, so I would always vlog. Um, I started doing that in, um, I want to say 2015. I always wanted to like vlog and have um, stories about when I was in college just to either share on the Internet or just to have for my own sakes. Um, but I started um, video about 2010, so I, I want to say about like seventh grade for me is when I just – found a passion for uh, creating a fan base through video and I've had my YouTube channel since 2009. You have a pretty good uh, following there. Tell me about how many people have seen at least one video of yours. Mm -hmm. So I'm almost breaking a million views total uh, throughout the whole uh, my whole YouTube channel Um, and right now I'm currently sending almost 8,000 subscribers. Um, I want to say about 40% 40% of my views are from individuals who are subscribed, and that is a significantly high number compared to YouTube channels. Because most people get views one time from someone that's not a subscriber, just happened to see a video, and that's where they get their total. So you have 40% coming from people that look at most of your videos. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, they're subscribed and they're consistent. So I know I, I got to get back on to uh, making videos for them. It's been a couple of weeks, but um, 
saying that I have a strong fa um, fan base on YouTube is uh, something I'm deeply proud of. So one of the reasons that you came here was just that. I've always, well, I'm going to give Mike Gaddy credit because he was way ahead of the curve on this. Probably about seven or eight years ago, Mike saw Gary V doing this, and he said, that's what you need to do, Davies, and we need to just follow you around because you're always saying shit. You were coming up with ideas right on the spot for clients and your ideation process and your style is no bullshit. And this was even before we called ourselves no bullshit. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah we'll do that. But um, I just didn't do it for lack of time, commitment, and money. And at the time, I just didn't comprehend that you just have to do it, and that way it doesn't cost so much. So when we found you, we thought, well, we knew we needed to get into the video realm more because we have three different subcontract firms that partner with us based on the level of a project for client work. But we then realized, well, it doesn't mean we shouldn't still have somebody to do super-duper high-end creative direction and so forth when our clients need that. But for anything else, we should be able to cover a lot of that ourselves. So we brought you on because then it also forces me to do more video because I no longer have the excuse of saying, well, we're bringing this firm in on Tuesday the 12th, and uh, on that day we're going to knock out these six things. Yep. Now you and I are going to set out to just sometimes do a meeting when we're with a client and there's ideation because there's other members on this team that do the same thing. They come up with great ideas, ask great questions. That's the big difference. You asked me what you could learn through Mass Solutions, and I said, I believe the benefit to someone like you working for us is to learn how to ask questions yeah. and how to listen exactly. to the answers. Yep. And yesterday you were in a very long meeting, and we get into the car, and you said, just listening to that and hearing the questions. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was every meeting I have with or sit in with you, whether it's um, planned or not, you know, I'm, I'm learning every single time, whether it's I'm learning through trial and error that you've done or is it's just learning and um, gaining information um, just in the workforce. You know, I'm, this is new to me. I'm only a couple months into it, so... Everything that I'm taking in, uh, I'm not taking it for granted. You know, it's all it's it's an experience that you know I'm worth worth hearing about. Honestly, we've really liked you coming aboard because you have an attitude that's unique to people coming out of college today. And I have three sons, a couple of them younger than you, one's six, seven years younger, but one around your age. And I I tell my sons this all the time. I think that there's a lack of understanding of having to do all kinds of stuff in the workplace regardless of position. Now here I am the CEO and founder but you and Mike were in a meeting the other day and I popped my head out and I said you were with a client I said hey did you guys order lunch and you said no and I said I'll go grab you guys and the clients some lunch. I don't want to pat on the back for that because that's minuscule but I'm saying that Mike Gaddy will pop over and do something else and Benita. And, and so it doesn't mean just the first month employee does anything. To have a small and medium-sized business, everybody has to do things beyond this like job description that was posted on LinkedIn when you took the job. And far too few people in their 20s understand that. I'll interview them and you can just tell them, like, oh, there's no way that person could work here because they will get ego-driven when I say, hey, can you help solve this problem I'm having with the iPad? Mm -hmm. And because I know you're tech-savvy and young, I can turn to you and say, like, hey, I've tried these five troubleshooting things, which most people don't try any. I tried three to five. So does Benita. We always say, like, we at least tried to troubleshoot, but you'll come and do that. Or I'll say to you, like, late yesterday, late in the afternoon, 
I said, hey, I need these two slides for this BD presentation I'm making. Can you go do these while I do this call? So you end up having to spend an hour because it was a pain in the butt to get those slides done. But you've not complained and you've jumped in to do that. And people that have struggled here, both interns and employees that came aboard, didn't have that understanding. And it's not just mass solutions. I can't believe it's just mass solutions that like that's like this. We're in an economy that companies are struggling to make it because of all these factors that are impacting them. And if someone thinks they're going to work 40 hours a week, <laughs> you can, but you're not going to grow personally. If someone thinks they're only going to do what was on the LinkedIn posting for the ad, that's bullshit. Hit the bullshit button out. And I'm not saying that I tell anyone they have to work X number of hours. I'm saying if you want to learn, you're going to have to put some time into learning because while you're here, you're going to be running around doing a bunch of things. So if you truly just work 40 hours here, you're probably not going to get as much opportunity to learn. Now, that's you doing that on your own. It means you maybe came in early or stayed late or something because to get to something that helps you pick up why we did something takes time and you've seemed to be open to that yeah um and going back to you know talking about like the linkedin description and everything uh what i would like to say on audit is if you're an individual who's just um looking at that linkedin post saying you know i should only be doing something that's on that description you're not branching out and trying to take in knowledge because for me you know i'm not a presentation creator keynote um maker but with the projects that were given to me, you know, hey, can you fi fix this deck? Can you start this? I'm becoming more knowledgeable in that yes. sense. So, um, no, it, was, it wasn't on the description or anything, right. but I'm gaining experience and knowledge on it. Or even the meeting that I took you to, I said, no, Marcel, I'm taking this meeting for two reasons, three reasons. One, I want you to ex experience this meeting and learn. Two, I tend to throw out a bunch of ideas, and I need someone there with me because this client is very idea oriented and they don't have the focus that we normally have when I have a CPM with me, a CPM meaning a client and project manager like Mike, Gaddy, Bonita, others. So I said the second reason you're coming is to make sure that I don't forget something. And I said the third is because even though you haven't done all this stuff professionally, you've done some of this stuff on your own so you can bring value. So you came to a two, three hour meeting where you got exposed to all kinds of stuff. They were talking high level stuff that the normal marketing specialist doesn't get exposed to. Okay, the normal person at a bigger company that's 23, 24, 25 doesn't get exposed to that. So that's the trade-off. Like, and I just don't understand why, you know, some 22, 23, 25-year-olds don't get that that's the trade-off. If you want to go work for that big company, and, you know, I had one person interview with us, and they said, I'm going to take this position at this bigger firm. And I just chuckled because I know they're going to be the person that goes and gets Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> And they're going to be the person that goes and takes care of scut work X and scut work Y. But we all have to learn. She's young, and a year or two from now, she'll probably be coming back at probing <laughs> around here. But the point is, you need to be able to see that that's the trade-off. Now, if you're not getting any of that, if you're just coming into the place and working like crazy and only doing lower-level stuff, well, yeah, then that company is, is not taking advantage of you. But when you have a chance like this, then, you know, you should do it. Don't just go take the title at a bigger company because that doesn't necessarily get you the diverse experience. Yeah, it may look good on LinkedIn, but can you back it up, honestly, with the knowledge and experience that you'll gain at something a little bit smaller? Yes. You have to be able to grow, honestly. Well, we're excited to have you, and what Maria always says is anytime we have a new team member, we always like to let them have the 
ask Dave question for a show. So do you have a question you want to ask me that I yeah, riff yeah, on? Yeah, actually, um, just um, building off of um, the perspective you took when you hired me, you know, you, you just did it, you know. So uh, my question I want to ask you is um, this can be viewed as for individuals who are experienced in the workforce or to individuals who um, are my age or maybe a little bit younger. Um, this is very open to anyone. Um, but what advice would you give to someone who basically has a lot of big ideas but doesn't exactly know how to execute them? Great question. And I love this because this is a life question, and I've talked about this very subject with my sons from the time they were 5, 8, 10, whatever age that I started telling them about life and career. So when I look back at my life, I don't really have any regrets. I've, I've just really kind of done what I thought my gut told me to do, and, and I'm also analytical. But I do look back and say the decisions that I put off and the things that I put off are the things that held me back and still hold me back. So even moving into our new office space here, I debated the new office space for like two years and then finally started looking around town and so forth and stumbled across our space. Anytime I made an investment like that, it has paid off tenfold. But I've always taken, not always, but there are many instances where I've taken longer than I should have. So the biggest thing I would say is we have fear and there are, there are multiple types of fears that we have. And one is the fear of not being perfect, the fear of being wrong. And, and the other is the fear of, this is kind of tied to it, is the fear of feeling stupid or, or feeling like you, you were embarrassed. And when it comes to creative work, and that creative work can be launching a business, that creative work can be launching the catchphrases, side hustle. It used to just be from been 10 years ago. It used to just be you worked on the side, you did freelance, whatever, but now it's side hustle. Side hustle, you got to say it just like that. So, uh, or it could be when you are a content creator and you write, and it could be when you do video. And one of the things that impresses me is how you've done these videos over the years. And the one we put on yesterday during lunch yeah. of you just showing your car and everything, you look so natural and everything. You can tell you have reps because I think reps are pretty significant mm -hmm. to sports, but they're significant to life. So I'm getting better. My son, Alex, said to me the latest set of videos that you did with me, he said, Dad, you're really getting comfortable now. Yeah. And I said, what do you say? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, even the ones a year ago, two years ago, were still good. He said, but now you're like you are in front of the microphone. Yeah. And think of the reps. I was on radio at 16 years old. Yeah. I DJed with my own business for, like, being in front of a mic, I have the 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell talks about, yep. but I don't have the 10,000 hours <laughs> on video. I might have 1,000 maybe. Yeah. So he said, yeah, I'm starting to get better. So reps are significant. So he, let me get to the main point. You have to put it out there and be willing to, as as uh, Seth Godin says, ship it. You need, be, need to be willing to ship it. So I tend to give credit for the phrases I use that are from someone else, and I don't know who came up with perfect as the enemy of good. Uh, Might have been, um, I don't know, we'll find out, but it's a long 10, 15, 20, 50 years maybe. But perfect as the enemy of good is the one that I stick to the most because it ties a little bit to Seth's idea of shipping things. Uh, perfect is the enemy of good because we're guilty of that. We are, we're, first of all, we might have the fear of being embarrassed. We might have the fear of being wrong. But then we want to be perfect. And perfect is the enemy of good. So when we started to do the podcast, 
I just basically said, we're going to do the podcast because I wasn't afraid because it was a microphone. Mm -hmm. If someone would have said we're going to do the, the vlog first, yeah. I would have probably struggled with it. So I fought my fears and just put it out there. And if you listen to episode one and listen to episode 100, there's a difference. Mm -hmm. We definitely improved. But the thing is, you have to get it out there. And I think when someone's a writer, they'll write for the thing that they do the most at their job, but they won't be comfortable writing something on their own. Yeah. And you have to just know that perfect is the enemy of good. When I did my first book, uh, I knew that it could have been better, and I got to the point where here's what I did. I said, okay, I have this book done. I'm sending it to my brother who is great at catching any kind of grammatical error or typo, and I said, because I can't let that stuff out there because of Miss Kruger, who taught my brother and me and all these people from our high school who are all, all these kinds of people are in the writing profession. I think she played a role in it. I said, I, I just can't allow that. So I sent that to my brother, and I said, would you take over the next week, because it was a couple hundred pages, I said, would you edit this over the next week or two? He comes back, and he says, here's 29 edits. When, once I got that, I said, I'm just going to go and do it because I had to accept this reality. I don't know that anyone's going to read the entire book. My mom didn't. She listens. She'll be mad that I let everybody know. <laughs> she might have, but I don't think she did. <laughs> um, so, you know, most people don't. Now, I, there are a couple friends of mine who read the whole book, and the reason I know that because they would tell me certain things from different parts. Yeah. But the reality is I'm a whole book reader, but most people aren't. Most people, most people get really excited. First of all, most people don't even open a book. The vast majority of people after high school or college don't yeah. ever read a book again. Yeah. But of those that do read partial books, they get excited about a book and they read a part of it. And then they set it aside, they set their Kindle aside, or set the book aside. I'm a full book reader, but there's very few of us. And I'm also a person that catches errors, but there's very few of us. So I had to get past my fears and just say, yeah, there's one person out there that'll catch a typo. There's one person who'll say that that was passive voice. And there's one person that'll read the whole thing and say that was junk. But that's one person. Yeah. The vast majority of people are going to just get the impression from the title, read the foreword, read a couple of heartfelt things in there, and they're going to get a, a feeling. And that feeling is going to either be good or bad. So just do it. So you have to just realize that perfect is the enemy of good. And far too many creatives do this. And when I said earlier about making money as businesses, a lot of businesses struggle, including ours, because of that perfect is the enemy of good. You aren't going to be able to make your margins if you take 12 hours when you could have took seven. Yeah. So my team, sometimes I struggle because I appreciate that they are so dedicated that they want it to be awesome. But I say to them, yeah, but what you perceive as awesome, I might think was very good and the client might just think was okay. So we have, to, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, I think, you know, I'll, you'll show me a video and you think it's good. And I go, ah, I hate how I look on this part. And you're like, oh, dude, it's, it's good. And I go, ah, can you just fix that? So we have to watch because we all succumb to that and we, we want it to be perfect. So perfect is the enemy of good. And that actually impacts the economy because the companies that are doing that are making less money. So they have less to invest back in the economy. They have less to bonus employees. They have less to take for themselves because they took the risk. So there's all kinds of things that are tied to this perfect is the enemy of good yeah i i just told you um the other day how um you know that's a, a catchphrase that you you like to say a lot and it's grown on to me telling you um the other day that i've been using that outside of the of uh, you know the nine to five and i've been using that at home um and just implementing it into my daily life you know um you know i want to say about you know four weeks ago it, it wasn't as great as it is now, you know, um, I'm as much as I hear from you, it's definitely been 
um, chiseled into me, uh, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. Well, you also made my day when you said, you know that one, the issue, not the instance. I've been using that with friends. And I yeah. said, that is yep. one of my sayings. <laughs> I hear a lot of people will say to me, and my yep. sons and the teams, the players that have played for me all know, you know, it's the issue, not the instance. Yeah. And like yep. my sons are get sick of hearing, my daddy gets sick of hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> he always say it can't always just be the issue, and, he, and he's right. He's right. But the point is, what I'm trying to say is that we can all pick an instance and have a legitimate excuse. Like I would say to my sons, "Yeah, you have a legitimate excuse here. You felt this happened, but twelve things happened before that that could have avoided that five minutes exactly. that made you late." Yeah. And you do this a lot, so it's the issue, not the instance, and so it's uh, it's media. So I appreciate that you're listening. Yeah, yeah, no, and that also ties back into you know my creative work I do. You know, I, I cut down on so much time just because I'm not nitpicking. I'm trying to make something perfect for myself or a client or whether it's in the job. You know, I've cut down on so much time that it's opened up my capacity to be able to. Um, work on another project or um, offer my time to someone else. So um, that's definitely something I believe that everyone should try to implement into their life. You know, perfect is the enemy of good. Well, thank you for coming aboard, Marcel. We're excited to have you. Thank you for your first official appearance. Yes, sir. <laughs> on the No BS Marketing Show. There will be many more to come. And for thank sure. you, our listeners, for being loyal and sticking with us and giving us feedback on what to do to make the show even better. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea and build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.